Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Each year, I try to uh, I try to uh, pray through and identify a word of the year for our church. A word for the year for our church that sort of might signify church life this year and what God might bring attention, sort of the word as I've been praying through it and as I've just discerned it, um, the word of the year I find is seek, S-E-E-K. What might it look like for us as a church to seek the heart of God this year, to run after the heart of the Father this year? What would it look like for us as a church to do that? To seek God's heart, to seek fully His face, and have a church committed to seek after God's ways in 2023? What would it look like to have everybody on every spectrum, no matter where, what kind of spectrum, what kind of point in which we are to follow Jesus on every part of that in the following Jesus track? Maybe we followed Him for years years. Maybe we haven't followed him for years. Maybe we haven't yet at all. But what would it look like to commit to seeking God's heart this year? What would it look like on all all the spectrums of our faith journeys to have all of us in all of our different stages, spiritual walks with Jesus, to have a church where we are fully, every life is fully surrendered and engaged to seek God's heart this coming year. Imagine that kind of transformation that will happen on our relationships with one another, not just in here, but in our community, but within our families. The transformation will happen within our families. The friendship, the way we view friendships, the way we see the lost in our community, the way we treat our neighbors, and that we might come to know God through His seeking His kingdom and His way this coming year. Year, but on all the the, ever the beginnings of the new year, there are different sides of the spectrum and the equation to this. Uh, Trevor Hudson, he's an author, he writes about a guy named John H. He says, John H. was a uh, recovering alcoholic who strongly believed that there is something more. He says that for every month, for 15 months, they had lunch together. Once he told me about the first, he once told about a story about the first time he visited a couple who was struggling with an addiction. A young girl was dressed in a tattered and torn dress, answered the door, and she led him into an untidy kitchen, the smell of stale alcohol in the air where her parents were seated around the kitchen table. And they had been dealing with the effects of a terrible hangover, and they invited him to sit down in that moment. And he says in this book, I didn't know what to say. And silently I asked God for help. And then a simple sentence formed in his mind there. And he said to them this, it doesn't have to be this way. Those words, as hard and sort of challenging as they they can be, they also invite life-giving hope to them. Our struggles with life can be met with life again. We find freedom from the bondage of addiction. The worst thing that has happened to us does not have to be the last thing. Just because things are broken or things get broken doesn't mean they stay that way. Something beautiful can be born out of them. It doesn't have to be this way. And there are many times in my own life where I've needed to recall those words or those words have been spoken on me, and maybe you do too today. Whether it be a marriage a relationship gone south, a family in disarray, an addiction brought down by the snares of the devil. It does not have to be this way, and there is a way forward. But maybe you're like, okay, but like how? 
Like how? How and where and what and who and how do I do this? You see, God always draws a starting line for our new beginnings just where we are. God's grace and mercy meet us just where we are in life. And the best beginnings can be offered in life are the ones that we're in right now, not the ones where we will be in five years or even tomorrow. But God draws the line today. God offers amazing good news right now in the messiness and brokenness and hardships of life right now. We realize that when God reaches out to us through Jesus, He does so with this amazing good news, the offer of amazing good news. So how does this take shape? I just want to talk through this today. How does this take shape amongst the tasks of washing dishes? Maybe, maybe driving your kids. Maybe you're the one who's like driving the kids. And you're the one who's the taxi, right? You're driving your kids around everywhere. What does this look like? Washing dishes, driving your kids around, going to the basketball games, going to work, dealing with family conflict, paying your bills, staying healthy, building friendships. Maybe you're coping with illness grieving losses of loved ones, responding to the social struggles, wanting a more compassionate and just world around us. You see, God, the Christian life is all about God seek, about seeking God and then living that out, the living out the Christian life amongst very ordinary circumstances in the people of our world. It is all a part of this. It's all a part of what God has for us and living this out in the Christian life. It's all across the scriptures. This is this word and this, this idea is all across the scriptures. And we have the relationship to seek after the heart of God, both Old and New Testaments. First Chronicles 16 10 through 11, read this. Glory is His holy and His holy name. Let the hearts of those who what? Seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. What? Seek His face always. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and what? Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Jeremiah 29.13. You will what? Seek and you will find me when you what? Seek me with all your heart. Psalm 63 verse 1. You God are my God. Earnestly I what? Seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For who? Everybody who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Isn't that good news that the promise here of Jesus is that if you seek him, you'll be found. It's not blind, blind like seeking. Like you will find him and he will open the door. It's good news, okay? Right? Like Matthew 6.33, this is Jesus' words. This is kind of where we're going to camp here this morning. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom means to seek his will and way in this world and to place that fully above all else. You see, there is temptations to go other way. Seek the kingdom. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will, go, will be given to you as well. Temptations to go other ways, methods to seek the things of the world, and but the vision that Jesus has for us is to seek him above all else. And if we're to seek his kingdom and seek his will and way over above all else, we've got to lay aside some of the things that, that are not of God, not of his kingdom that, we, that may be we're seeking and to seek him above all else. So today we're in Matthew 6. Uh, Matthew 6, I, um, 685, I think. 6 something 5. 
Uh, Matthew 6, I remember, I, if I wrote it in my, the, it's a long story, you know, it's 6 something 5, so it's we, um, it's, okay, okay, so thank you, yeah, um, so we're just, if you want to read along um, in the Bible in front of you, you can do that, it'll be on the screen here in a second, but um, it's 2023, it's a new year, and we still believe in the scriptures, <laughs> okay, so uh, we at this church value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures, if this is not your home church, make sure you find one that preaches, teaches the scriptures faithfully. Um, so we're going to read what that, Matthew 6.33, we're going to read around that and see what that, look, look, kind of the context. When I say context, I mean, that's one verse that we read, but what is the surrounding verses? What is Jesus saying in the greater picture here? So Matthew 6, verse 25, that's what I mean by context here. Verse 25. Um, I'm not sure what your Bible has there or what the Bible in the front has as a... Some of, some of them Bibles are broken up and they'll have a little headline there. That's, those weren't in the original Bible, but those are there for, as helps for us in English. So do not worry is mine, okay? I don't know what yours says, but do not worry, okay? Maybe that's what we need this morning. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is, is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not row or, or sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not do much more? Will he not, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's the question for us. In the midst of a consumerist society, what might it look like to give precedence to seeking his kingdom and his righteousness? And if you notice, it, the Bibles, I don't think the Bibles in front of you have red letters. Um, but the red letters are Jesus' teaching, and maybe your Bible has that, or on your phone has that. Those are, that's Jesus talking. Um, he's in the midst of a very long teaching. The context of this is that it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's all about Jesus teaching his disciples about the Christian life, the kingdom life, the way of how to live out this life. And in this, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a long block of teaching that Jesus gives, and he's telling them, this is how you live a part of the kingdom of God. And this is how we live a part of the kingdom of God here and now. How to live a part of God's family in the world, but not of the world, living differently in the world in which we live. It's focused on the heart of the follower of Jesus, living differently in deed and direction. Dale Bruner is an author, and he says this about this, that it is characteristic of the secular world to be obsessed with economic questions, to be almost entirely engrossed by consumer concerns, to be preoccupied with finding and getting better things. And I don't know if the, he says the secular world, but Kind of mix the Christian world in that too, right? The prizes on television games and lotteries and the near hysteria that surrounds those things illustrate this preoccupation. 
uh, it, it illustrates this. The world has a religion. It's called acquisition and getting. Jesus will not have his disciples believe the world's religion or be possessed by that, by that possession. It's no secret we find the temptation with the next greatest game show or sports game. Or TV drama to be one that captivates our hearts more fully than the kingdom of God. Yet we find that in our heart of heart, in all such things are momentary pleasures which pale in comparison to eternity. The eternity that awaits us with Jesus. We're essentially, we're saying this. We're saying this year, we're saying, Lord, let my affections and my desires for you be aligned. And I'm, I'm not anti dramas or TV shows or sports. Just hear me out first. Lord, let my affections and desires for you be aligned above all else. Have my purpose be for your glory and to see your glory come. May it begin to shine forth in my life, in my life, in my own heart. And in my heart, in my life, we have to all take sort of the inventory of like this today of like, okay, we want us, it won't happen with us. It starts with us and me. Starts with all of us. God, help me to see about your kingdom come fully in my life, in my heart this coming year for the sake of my family and friends and church and neighbors and community. May I shine brightly for you this coming year. And may I put to death anything that is not above, that is not kingdom worthy. And you may be saying, how can I do this? How can I sign up for that? Um, I heard, heard it said one time. I never forgot it. And I've shared this before. I've heard it said here. What, this one time, I don't recall. What you think about, you'll be about. What you look at, you will long for. And what you long for, that you will live for. Living in harmony with the heart of God and the ways of God are part of the rhythm of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives us. We have the power, church, you and Christian, you have the power to live through the, whole, the life, this life through the Holy Spirit. You have the power to do that. This is not a life that we can muster up on our own, that the life of like loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. We have the Holy Spirit to live this life powerfully and abundantly and fervently. And to begin this life, Jesus says in Mark 1, 14 to 15, just at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says this, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is, is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. You see, repentance, one of those first few words that, that comes out of Jesus' mouth. Repentance. Repentance is a word that is also ongoing. And that word means that we turn away and we turn toward God and we know that our lives can make an eternal significance and have eternal destiny. When we walk toward Jesus, we walk toward, we walk away from sin, we walk toward Him in obedience and faith. We move toward Him. Repentance involves a willful turn toward God alone and that God's people reorient themselves towards God's rule and reign here and now. And Jesus is saying about God's rule and reign and God's heart for those who want to follow Him is that those who want to follow God and follow God's plans have to repent, have to turn toward Him and turn away from sin. Here's the, the word repentance in the Scriptures. That word is to turn in the opposite direction and to reorient, reorient one's life 
toward God. Eugene Peterson, he says this, is quoted about saying about repentance. He says, you don't repent by taking a deep breath and then feel better. You only repent, this is the essence, sort of the heart with repentance, is turning around. You only repent when you turn around and go back toward God. It doesn't make any difference how you feel. You can have the feeling or you don't have to have the feeling. What's essential is that you do something turning away. And only God can do that regarding our state of sinfulness, our lack of dependence on God, because we like things are on our own terms. There's a danger in assuming that life can be done on our own terms and setting up shop in our own kingdoms and our own hearts and our own world. And then we find this and God becomes smaller and kind of smaller and smaller. And then we make more of ourselves and more and then less of God in our midst. And we place the throne on us rather than the throne on dependence upon God fully and reliance upon God. And we turn toward other things and absolute help upon God. We turn toward intuition and that does not, that doesn't rely on God and relies, relies on luck rather than wisdom from God. Repentance is like the town of Wabash. It's town in a remote part of Canada. It was completely isolated for some time. And recently a road was cut through the wilderness to reach through this town. And so now this town has one road leading into it. And then Wabash now has one road leading into it. And thus only one road leading out. And if someone were to travel that unpaved road for six to eight hours to get into this town of Wabash, there would be, there would, there would, there's only way, there's only, the only way that he or she could leave that town was by turning around. And each of us by birth is called sin. And as in Wabash, there's only one way out, a road built by God himself. But to take that road, one must turn around. And that complete about face is what the Bible calls repentance. And without it, there is no way out of town. So why, why do we stress the need to repent? Is because Why is that one of the first few words Jesus says? Because maybe you're kind of confused about that or kind of like, maybe you're like, I don't need repentance. I don't have to do that. You'd be like, I just don't see the point in this. But you see, we serve a very holy God. We serve a holy and just God. He is almighty and perfect and infinite and all-knowing. He knows us inside and out. And even though God sees us and knows us, it's sin that clouds our need for God, human pride that sits on the throne of our own hearts. And we like to be kings and queens of our own kingdoms. We put our faith in a God who knows us far better then we know ourselves and God who's got a plan for us and we could far outlast and far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. So as Jesus is saying, repent and believe. We must believe that repentance is actually for our benefit and that God has a plan for our lives through it. Our God is the one who does not stand for sin and because he does something about it. He wants us to be, walk into newness of life and walk into being holy people. We seek God, we repent. So to seek Him, we repent, continuously repent. And we're aiming to seek Him in three areas. Aiming to seek after God in these three areas. Number one, seeking Him. We want to seek God above all else in life. Number two, seeking God through worship and prayer. And number three, seek God in relationships. 
Seek God in relationships. That's how we seek. That's how we seek Him and find Him and seek Him and trust Him and fully go after His heart for all of those areas. And all those areas bleed into one another and sort of overlap with one another. But Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, He says this in this. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hungry for the things of God. Blessed are those who hunger for right relatedness with God and right relatedness with other people. Lord, may our appetites be for your purposes and your glory and rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. May it be for your purposes, for your appetites in this world, through worship and through prayer. Well, Jesus gives us the model for prayer. It's what the video talked about this morning. He gives us this model. It's 57 words. You can say it, and it's very quick, and it's over, but it's 57 words. And Jesus, the only thing that those disciples of Jesus are recorded to ask Jesus to teach them, the only thing recorded to teach them is how to pray. Luke 11.1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to what? Pray, as John taught his disciples. And notice, Jesus himself and if the Son of God who stepped off the throne and, and who lived a perfect life and who was in relationship with the Father, with God the Father, if He was the Word made flesh, if He prayed, then we ought to also pray. And if it was vital for His relationship with God, then we also should pray as well. In Matthew 6, He gives this model as to how to pray. 57 words long. 57 words that can change the world, as one author puts it. Reads it like this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I left the last page on down here. So I'm going to come get it and we're going to finish here right now. The aim, the aim for this prayer, 57 words long, the aim of the Lord's prayer is what if it would look like for us to spend Bible and journal or reciting the Lord's Prayer this week? What would it look like for all of us if we moved forward this week together in the Lord's Prayer to cultivate a heart of prayer for our church? Will you take maybe 10 minutes, five minutes a day, Bible and notebook or pen, sit with God in prayer, recite the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. Just kidding. Matthew 6. Sorry. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Sorry. Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. What would it look like for us to be mobilized in prayer? And if you're struggling with any, like, what would it, what would it look like? Whether you're struggling with him, you're struggling with a relationship, you're struggling just bringing yourself to the point of doing this. Just kind of waking up and just mobilizing in prayer, connecting with God in prayer. Because worship changes us. Prayer changes us too. And so giving all that we have as an offering to Him. And then lastly, we, we also seek God in relationships. We also seek Him in relationships. The way we treat people and just the connectedness of what, how God connects us together. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God involves all of us. And that all word, all your heart, 
all your soul and all your mind. It's like, it's like God, I mean, you take a break, you know? Like, can I not love my neighbor? You know, can I not love my neighbor? But God says it's like both and. It's, this is the pegs on these two. It hangs on these two pegs. And all our mind and heart and soul, loving God involves all of us, including those around us as well, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So what would it look like what would it look like this, this in this moment for each one of us to seek the heart of the Father, to seek Him this year, to truly seek Him and to seek after Him, to run that, chase after Him, to seek the heart of the Father with all our heart and soul and our mind? What would it look like for that for each of us in worship, prayer, the way we treat other people, through his word, what would it look like to seek the heart of the Father with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? Amen? Amen. Um, I was going to do communion, and then about halfway through the message, I, I said, I got to do, the communion was going to be before the sermon, but we're going to do it right now. So if you have your communion elements, we're going to get those out.